0: Hey, this is Taylor Strickland. I'm one of the pastors at Second Baptist Church West Campus, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message teaches you, inspires you, and strengthens your faith. To learn more about our Second Students ministry, just check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Search Second Students West. Enjoy the podcast. Life's not fair, is it, my little friend? While some are born to feast, others spend their lives in the dark. Begging for scraps. Everything you see exist together in a delicate balance While others search for what they can take a true king searches for what he can give Run away, Simba and never return <laughs> Take your place in the circle of life. Hey, uh, how many of you have seen the OG cartoon Lion King? How many of you like it better than the new Lion King? No? evenly the new one better okay all right well Lion King is awesome I'm so excited to start this week with a new series called now playing um, where throughout the next couple weeks we're going to start looking at different movies um, like Spider-Man or Shrek or Moana and comparing them to Bible stories that we all know and love Um, and so hopefully we're going to go through this weekend I think you know the Bible story that we're going to talk about Um, that we can compare to Lion King, and so let me break down the summary of the Lion King, and hopefully you can compare it and recognize the Bible story we're talking about today. The Lion King is about this son who runs away because he messes up, but he finds himself, and then he comes back to his home and finds redemption. Does that sound like a Bible story that you're familiar with at all? What do, you, what do you think the story is? That, that story is, just, the title of that story, it's really fancy. It's called The Prodigal Son. And so we're going to look at that story, compare it to Lion King, and hopefully we can take that and apply it to our life this week. And so I want to start this story in Luke 15, uh, verse 11. So if you have Bibles, go to Luke 15, verse 11. And it starts like this. And he said... So before I even begin, I wanna start there. And he said, what's crazy about the Bible is that it's just not one story. It's not just one um, book with with one um, narrative. There's so many different stories, and oftentimes we're actually caught in the middle of one because the story doesn't start with and. A narrative doesn't start with and. And so what's going on here is that this story about the lost son is actually one of three stories about being lost. The first story is about the sheep being lost, and the sheep is lost because it wanders uh, away, not knowing that it gets lost. The second story is about a coin being lost, not because of its fault, but because that's just life. His life is hard. And the third story is about the son being lost because of his own mistakes. And so I don't know where you are in your walk with God, I don't know where you are in your journey, but I hope that you realize that you're not alone because every one of us falls in one of those three categories. You might have wandered away in your faith without knowing, maybe you're just going through life nonchalantly and you realize when you open up your eyes that you're not where you should be. Or maybe you're that coin where life is literally so tough, it keeps throwing you curveballs, and it just gets harder and harder and, you lo- and you're walking away from your faith because of life. Or maybe you've made intentional mistakes. And you've hurt people, you've hurt yourself, you've hurt the ones you've loved. And that's where you are today. And so I hope that you feel like you're not alone. And so we go on in, in verse 11. It says this. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. What's going on here is the, the son is asking his father for his inheritance really early because in these days, you're not supposed to get your inheritance until after your father dies, until after his father dies. And so summarizing what's going on right here, the son is basically saying, Dad, I kind of wish you were dead and I have the money um, so I can do whatever I want with it. And so that's a huge mistake. I don't know if you would talk to your parents like that. If I did, I would get smacked really badly uh, across my face. Um, And that's okay. You learn the lessons the the hard way. But that's what happened. And then the crazy thing is that it continues in verse 12. It says, and he divided his property between them. So the father didn't have to. He didn't have to give his money away. He didn't have to give his son the inheritance, but he did it anyway. Why? We're gonna learn later in the story that the son's gonna have a hard time living his life with all that money. So maybe the father did it because he knows that the son is gonna learn stuff that he needs to learn the hard way. And oftentimes, isn't that how God works? We have hardship in our life, and I think it's because God is allowing that to happen so that we can learn He's not causing that stuff. Later in the book, in the story, there's a famine. God doesn't cause the famine. It just happens. Maybe God is allowing us to walk through that so we can learn the hard way. And speaking of learning the hard way, I remember when I was younger, my mom used to cook all the time, and she still does, but I don't live with her anymore. So when she would cook, she would have all these pots and stuff and all these stoves on. And as a kid, I was always so curious, right? I wanted to just touch a bunch of things, and so obviously, me as a curious kid, I wanted to reach out and touch the hot stove and the pots that were on it, but every time I tried that, my mom would stack my hand away and be like, don't do that, idiot. And then I would, as a younger kid who thought that I was cooler than my mom and who thought I knew better than her, and I was like, mom, you're so uncool. I'm gonna touch this hot pan. No matter what, you, what, no matter what you say. So I do, and guess what happens? I burn my hand, and she tells me that she allowed, she let me touch it so I can learn the hard way because I wasn't learning from what she kept telling me, so I had to feel that pain to eventually learn that pots on stoves are probably really hot, so you probably shouldn't touch it. That's what happens. You learn the hard way. You're going on verse 12, it says, and he divided his property between them. Verse 13, not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country and he began to be in need. Worldly happiness, happiness that you can buy, will not give you joy that lasts. Stuff that you can buy, the latest AirPods, the newest shirt, the coolest looking pants, the fresh looking shoes, all that stuff will not last and it won't give you a joy that would last. How many of y'all are foodies? You just love food? I am, I love it so much. Even food doesn't last. There's literally a famine going on in this story even food won't last. Verse 15, so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country. We sent him into the fields to feed pigs. So at this moment in history, in uh, the daily Jewish life, it is super common for you to believe that pigs are the most disgusting animal in the world. It's so gross. Even now, they're, they're pretty gross. Back then, it was, so, it was so dirty that God made it pretty much illegal for you to touch or eat pork. So imagine the desperation he had to not only spend time with the pigs and take care of them, but later in the verse, it says, he was longing to be fed with pods that the pigs ate. So he, he even was willing to eat what pigs ate. The desperation that he must have gone through to get to that low point. And here's the kicker. Not only did he want to eat what the pigs ate, but in verse 16, the very end, it said, no one gave him anything. Where were his friends? Friends that you can buy also will not last. And I'm not talking about literally giving people money so they can be your friends. I'm talking about maybe you're buying your friends through personality that's really funny, your sense of humor. Maybe you're buying your friends by keeping up with the latest trends. Maybe you're buying your friends through uh, keeping up a facade of what they want to think of you. But friends like that won't last. And the crazy thing is, even the friends that you love, and they love you, and it's solid friendship, and they're, they're with you through thick and thin, even they won't give you the hope and sustainability that Jesus would. The only person that can do that is Jesus. And he is the best friend that you can have. Going on in verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. And I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Why is he talking like this? Why is he talking this way? The only reason he's talking like this in his head is because he has misplaced his identity because of his mistakes. He's misplaced his identity because of his mistakes. And how often do we do that? You know? Whenever I mess up super badly, I, I go so down. Um, into negativity and into negative thoughts, and I feel so much guilt and shame because I feel like I don't deserve all the good things anymore since I've messed up so badly. So I don't know if you've been there or not, but this guy is misplacing who he is, a child of the Father, and he's misplaced it as the servant. And here's a mental note that I want you to take. What he just said, he said, Father, I have sinned against you Against heaven and before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Take this note right here. It says, treat me as one of your hired servants. I don't know if you've done this before, but right now he's having a conversation with his father in his head because he knows he's in trouble and he's gonna see his father, right? And he's having this mental conversation with him. I don't even know, but I've been there plenty of times. One time when I was in middle school, we had this thing called report cards And um, the the sucky thing about them is that we would have to take those home and have our parents sign the report card saying that they saw it and then I have to bring it back to school. And um, one time, one semester, I don't think I got above a D in any of my classes. And so when I saw the report card, I was so terrified of what my parents would do to me if I brought that home. So terrified that I would go home and just sit in the restroom for a very long time, rehearsing in my head what I would say, I would be like, rehearsing in my head what I would say to them, I'd be like, mom and dad, I am so sorry, I will never do this again, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be so good, I'm gonna do so much better, I'm gonna get all the A's, I'm not, I, actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ground myself, I'm gonna stay home, and I'm gonna get rid of all my video games and not spend time with my friends. I'm gonna stay home, I'm gonna do it. This is basically what the son is doing with his father in his head, he's rehearsing. So he has this entire apology rehearsed, and that one line, treat me as one of your hired servants, keep that in mind. Keep going. Verse 18, I will arise, actually verse uh, 20, and he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against you, against you in heaven. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hands and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. What do you notice when the son is apologizing to his father? This is what he rehearsed. His rehearsal said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And this is what he actually said. I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father said to his servants. His father interrupted him. What didn't the father let the son say? The father didn't let the son say, treat me as one of your servants. His father literally interrupted him because the father knows that your past mistakes don't disqualify you from being a child of the father. And if you look at Lion King, you can see the exact same thing, that Simba's past mistakes don't disqualify him from being the king. And just like us, our past mistakes, your past mistakes don't disqualify us from being a child of the king. And I don't know, what journey you're on, I don't know what path you're on. But the father, when he saw his son coming from all the way the city, he ran to him. God the father is willing to meet you exactly where you're at. No matter what journey you're on, what path, I don't know if you're the sheep, if you're the coin, if you're the son. No matter how you've gotten lost, he's willing to meet you. Are you willing to accept his embrace and accept his hug and his gifts for you? And the crazy thing is, we're talking a lot about mistakes, but what about the good things? Because we can flip that on its head, and I'm gonna say this, the good things that you do, how you pray, how you read the Bible, your generosity, all those good things, they don't qualify you to be a child of the king be a child of the Father. Because what you do doesn't qualify you. What does qualify you is that relationship that you have with God and his work that he's done for you, which is sending Jesus down to the cross, that he died for your sin and rose so that you could have that relationship. It's not what you do. It's not the bad. It's not the good. It's what he's done for you. And the question is, are you willing to accept it? Are you willing to meet him? Morgan's trying to meet you. Are you willing to accept that embrace?